Grace and peace to you from Him who is and who was and who is coming. Our text for our sermon is Daniel chapter 7 verses 9 through 10. I continued watching until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days was seated. His clothes were white as snow, and the hair on his head was like pure wool. His throne was flames of fire. Its wheels were burning fire. A river of fire flowed out from his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, especially when I was a child and watched a lot of westerns, besides the good guy and the bad guy, there was another character that often showed up in westerns. That was the hanging judge. Now, if it was the bad guy, you wanted him to get the hanging judge. But often it was the good guy's innocent brother that was getting the hanging judge. And the hanging judge was going to hang him, right? So that could be a good thing or a bad thing. You know, sometimes in movies and things like that, and sadly, even in real life, there's another kind of judge. The judge that doesn't care about justice, the one who will take a bribe. If you grease his bombs, that court case is going to go your way, right? At least in the Hollywood movies. And then in some comedies, there's the last kind of judge, the one who's a golf nut. He's trying to figure out how he can get that court case wrapped up so he can get a few more holes in at the golf course. None of these are the kind of judge you want if you truly want justice, are they? You and I, if we die before Christ returns, we will stand before the judge of all mankind. And one way or the other, all of us, all mankind, is going to stand before God as judge on the last day. So that makes us ask the question, what kind of judge will judge you? And Daniel's vision answers that question. Now, to answer that question, as we get into our text, we want to see a little bit of the rest of the vision that came before our text began. Daniel has this vision of a flying lion. And ultimately, we know in history who that was, no problem. That was the Babylonians, because that was actually the symbol of their empire. And when the next empire conquered them, they kind of adopted that symbol as well. They were the first people to rule over the promised land as foreigners, outsiders, shall we say, since the time that the Israelites conquered the promised land with God's doing. The next thing he sees is a lopsided bear. Now, again, in history, we know what the next country was to rule over Israel. That was the Medeo-Persian Empire. But you don't hear much about the Medes. You always hear about the Persians, hence the lopsided bear. The next one is a four-headed cheetah. A cheetah is a fast animal. And once again, because of where we live in history, we know who that was. Alexander the Great came, and he conquered the Persian Empire, and he did it rapidly. But he died, leaving no successor. His kingdom was divided among his four chief generals, hence the four-headed cheetah. Now, uh, two of those generals will be a real pain in the rear for the people of Israel until the last beast comes. The last beast was unlike any other beast. We know what that beast was because of history as well. Who was ruling over Israel when Christ was born? The Romans. Technically, that's the last political kingdom, but that beast had ten horns. 
Three horns are uprooted and one horn appears in their place. There's going to be a different kind of kingdom that comes out of Rome. And after today's text, the verses that follow, it becomes clear that horn is the Antichrist. Well, always remember, the Antichrist can't be a mere human being, a mortal man, because uh, the Apostle Paul said the apostles were holding him back at his time, and we know he's going to exist until Christ returns. So as Luther reasoned and the Lutherans did in the Reformation, this has to be an office fulfilled by a man that clearly comes out of the Roman Empire. But that's beside the point of our text. This is where our text begins, where we can start talking about the kind of judge we have. I'm going to read my own translation of the Aramaic. Daniel says, I continued seeing until thrones are placed and the Ancient of Days is seated. Never in our text are we told who fills those thrones and there's no point in speculating in it. There's something that we know. We know the Ancient of Days is God and He's on His throne and we're never told who takes those other thrones. The very first thing we want to recognize Coming out of this vision and where this comes into place, you have the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, and then the Romans, but God is always in control. God is on the throne above all thrones. In America today, we would say it's also the Supreme Court. God is the last court too. God gets the last word because He is the one who's truly in charge of all nations. Now, as a side note, politically right now, we are wondering who our president will be in January. Some people say if you go by the popular vote, President Biden will be our president. Others say if you look at corruption, it looks like Trump's going to be our president. Do you know what? This is a comfort, no matter which way you're looking at it, because whoever is our president, they still are answerable to God. God has a throne above them. And God has a plan, and he will use them the way he used the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. And so, what kind of a judge will we have? God has the ultimate throne. There's no throne above him. You don't have to worry about somebody else coming along and saying that your judgment has been taken away. And God has already told you what the judgment is. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So long as you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, you will be saved. The devil is not going to be able to overpower the gates of heaven. No human army is going to be able to overpower. And it's important for us to remember, because lots of times today we'll sit back in our sinful nature and say, well, why would God judge this way or that way? I don't like that. You know what? God gets the last word. He's the Supreme Court, He's the ultimate throne, and it's a comfort for you because He is ruling over all time history, even governments, to keep you in the salvation He won for you. So what kind of judge will you have? A judge who gets the last word because He is the throne above all thrones and He is the Supreme Court. His decision is the final decision. Now, that verse also reveals another characteristic of our judge. I continued seeing until thrones are placed and the ancient of days is seated. Now, in English, we have to, because it's a proper title, translate it with the definite article, the, the ancient of days. In the Aramaic, it's gone, because it's emphasizing, yes, God is infinite. God created time. God is above all time. But here it's emphasizing that God is really old. 
Now, as human beings, when we meet somebody who's really old, they usually tend to be weak and frail. Bad hips. Sometimes they can barely arm curl five pounds. When they were younger, they could have easily arm curled 50 to 65 pounds. We're emphasizing that God is ancient, but we're not here emphasizing that God is weak and frail and old. We're emphasizing that He is ancient because that means He's not wet behind the ears. As we say in Wyoming, this ain't His first rodeo. He's been around the block. That's comforting for you and I. Because the devil is a trickster. The devil has been watching human beings since he started watching Adam and Eve going, how am I going to destroy God's creation? But if you think the devil's ever going to outwit or outsmart God, he's not. God's not wet behind the ears. God created us. God created the devil originally as a good angel. God knows everything. He's not naive. You can't, as they do in the movies where they, where they trick the judge so they get off on a technicality, uh-uh, not going to happen. Once again, that is a comfort for you and I. Because you and I sin every day. But God is not naive. He's not wet behind the ears. He knows that you need a Savior. It's why He became our Savior. And He knows how to pour the blood of Christ upon you daily. And He knows how to send you out to assure others that their sins are forgiven and how to send others to assure you that He has poured the blood of His Son upon you. What kind of judge will you have? A judge who gets the last word. His throne is above all thrones. And a judge who's not wet behind the ears. He knows what's going on. Next, we're told his garment is white as snow and the hair on his head is pure as wool. A lot of people get confused here when they read this. When they hear about the hair on his head, they think of gray hair. No, it's pure. White in Scripture is a picture of holiness, of righteousness. Scripture often uses the forehead and the head for the thoughts that permeate us. God is righteous. He's clothed in righteousness. His thoughts are covered in righteousness. You do not have a hanging judge who's just out to get you because he wants to hear the snap of a neck on that rope again. You do not have a bribable judge who is going to let people off who deserve the eternal punishment in hell. And you have a judge who demands righteousness. You and I are in trouble. But our God is truly righteous, so He took on human flesh and He lived perfectly, never once sinning, so that He could credit you with His perfect, righteous obedience. Then He went to the cross and spilt His blood so that He could wash away your and my unrighteousness. God is a judge who is righteous. That's scary for our sinful nature. Uh Uh-oh. But that is tremendous comfort for the new man that God has created in you because you wear Christ's righteousness the way I am wearing my suit jacket right now. When God looks at you, God, your judge, he sees Christ's righteousness. When he looks at Christ, he sees your sins have been paid for in full. What kind of judge will you have? A judge who gets the last word. His throne is above all thrones. A judge who's not wet behind the ears. A judge who is righteous. The next three characteristics I'm going to clump together and we've already seen them throughout our text. Chapter 7, verse 9. I continued seeing until thrones are placed and the Ancient of Days is seated. If he's the Ancient of Days, he has a lot of knowledge. 
Catechism kids learn the word omniscient. He's all-knowing. Even the devil isn't all-knowing. God's not just the ancient of days because he's been observing things. God is all-knowing. And we're also told his throne is flames of fire, its wheels are burning fire. If you want to appeal to the Supreme Court today, their place is set. You have to go to them. God's throne has wheels. You see, God is present everywhere. That means that God knows everything that's going on all the time because he's present everywhere. And that also is one of the reasons why he's all-knowing as well. Last characteristic I want to clump in. You can probably guess we've got the omniscient and the omnipresent, the all-knowing and, 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 all, and, and present everywhere. Verse 10, a thousand thousands are serving him. And ten thousand ten thousands are standing before him. I cannot help but to hear Jesus' words on the night he's betrayed that he could call on legions of angels for his defense. See, God is all-powerful. He made all this. He's in control of all the armies. It's one of the reasons why this part of the vision comes after all those big kingdoms that were going to rule over Israel. So we see that God is all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful. Catechism kids learn that as omnipotent. That's scary for the sinful nature. We can't get away with our sin. We can't hide from God. We can try to sweep our sins under the rug, but God knows it. But it's also comforting for our new man. You and I think thoughts by the minute that are sinful, and we often don't even realize we've sinned. But God does. That's comforting for our new new man, because when we appear before our judge, he's not going to say, you know... My dear little lamb, I I loved you so much, but I was taking a snooze and I missed this one sin. Oops, off to hell with you. No. God knows your sins and he has applied the blood of Jesus to them before you even confess them because he's given you faith. You don't have to worry because it often happens in our life. 30 years later, we remember something we did and go, oh man, God knew. God removed it. God has made you clean and he had the power to do it. Like I said, no throne, no devil, no demons are ever going to overpower him. He's present everywhere and he's all knowing. So what kind of a judge will judge you? A judge who gets the last word because he's the throne above all thrones. A judge who's not naive. He's not wet behind the ears. He's been around the block. A judge who's righteous and a judge who's all knowing, all present and all powerful. Next, we're told his throne is flames of fire. Its wheels are burning fire. A river of fire is flowing and coming out from before him. Fire keeps us warm, but fire devours and destroys, doesn't it? Ultimately, we have a righteous judge. God is holy. God cannot be in the presence of sin. His holiness will simply destroy it. That's all there is to it. For those who reject the Lord, who reject the salvation that is won for them by Jesus, that's an eternity in hell. God will destroy them in hell. God will destroy this world with fire and make it anew free from sin. That's scary. Jesus appeared to Moses in the burning bush. God uses fire a lot. But you know, there's a blessing to fire as well. They run medical equipment through fire or through a heated oven to kill all the bacteria so it's sanitized when they operate on you. Fire destroys bad things as well. 
And here we can see the fire as a picture of God taking care of your sin. Because God died on the cross and has poured his blood upon your sin. There's a river of fire flowing and coming out from before him. We can see that as his law coming out condemning sin. But you know what? Many of you here today, you are believers because God had somebody share the word of God with your parents. And your parents brought you up knowing the Lord. Many of you are here today because you had a friend who knew the word of God. And they came and shared the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ with you. And God sent his Holy Spirit into your heart. That river of fire has been pouring out from Christ since the day he sent the women to tell the apostles he's risen. And the apostles went out into the world with the good news and what it meant that he's risen. And it continues as you share that message with your children, with your families and friends and neighbors. So what kind of a judge do we have? A judge who removes sin. It's either going to be in hell and the destruction forces of creation at the last day, or as you have right now with his blood that sanitizes you of your sin and washes it away. The last thing that is said, the character of our judge is the judgment court is taking its seat. Court is now in session and the books have been opened. In the book of Revelation, we are told of the book of life. This is the book that matters. If your name is written in it, you have eternal life. So long as you do not deny your Savior, your name is not going to get erased from that. Now here's the interesting thing. When you have faith, it's because the Holy Spirit has given birth to your new man who is, in a way that defies understanding, connected to Christ as a branch is to the vine. Do you know what, or shall we say, who the book of life is? It's Jesus. If you are connected to Christ, the invisible church is his body, your name is written in the book of life. Now, in our gospel lesson in Matthew chapter 25, works were listed as the evidence of faith. He says to the unbelievers, depart from me. I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was in prison, you did nothing about it. Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty in prison and do nothing about it? See, if you're an unbeliever, you're not connected to Christ. You might do things that benefit your fellow man, but they have your sin attached to them. They're rotten fruit. If you are connected to Christ, the blood of Christ washes your sin away. And you're producing one of the fruits of faith right now. You're listening to the word of God. You share the word of God. You trust the word of God. This comes from being connected to Christ. I have an apple tree in my backyard. It was really nice in July when I saw the apple show up on the tree. It's still alive another year. Evidence of faith. Our good works don't save us. We do good works because we're saved. They are evidence that you are connected to Christ. The judge opens the book of life. Jesus is the judge. You're connected to him. And he points to the evidence. You listened to my word. You clung to me. Here is the evidence. Our good works are the evidence. So the last characteristic we want to think about is a judge who uses evidence. And I don't want to get into politics, but we've had Supreme Court justices, for example, who are so unhealthy they fall asleep during court cases. And then an aide has to come wake them up. The case is over. How can they possibly judge a case when they were asleep through the evidence? God has the evidence. This is my lamp. 
They're connected to me. And here's the evidence that they had the faith and were connected to me. The good works that I did through them. I naturally grew them. So brothers and sisters in Christ, hanging judge, bribable judge, a golf nut. For an unbeliever, it's going to be that's the hanging judge and he can't wait to hear my next snap because he's righteous and it's what I deserve. But judgment day for you and I, we're not worried about it. We actually look forward to it because we have a judge who is the Supreme Court, the throne above all thrones. He gets the last word. He's not wet behind the ears. He's not naive. He's all-knowing. He's a judge who's righteous and he's given you his righteousness. He's a judge who's all-knowing, all-present and all-powerful. Nothing's going to snatch you out of his hand or change his decision. He's a judge who removes sin. And in your case, because of your faith, he's removed your sin with his blood. And he's a judge who uses the evidence and he has the evidence. You believe in him and you have eternal life. When he destroys the heavens and earth with fire, he's going to keep you safe and he's going to give you the new heavens and the new earth free and pure of sin. Amen. And now blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Amen. Let us confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Out of the depths we cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear our voices. Let your ears be attentive to our cries for mercy. Heavenly Father, we confess with sorrow that we have sinned and deserve only your anger and punishment. If you kept a record of our sins, we would surely be lost. We confess with joy that your unfailing love has redeemed us. Our hope is in you and in your full redemption. Around us we see the birth pangs of the last days. War, famine, earthquakes, false prophets, spiritual apathy. Use these signs to remind us that we do not know the day or hour when Christ will come again. Keep us faithful to your word. Send your spirit to strengthen our faith so that we are always prepared for your son's return as judge. Make us faithful in sharing your word and cause many more to put their hope in you before the end comes. Build our fellowship of love as brothers and sisters in faith. Help us support one another when trials and troubles come our way. We ask you, O Lord, to remember our brothers and sisters to whom trials and troubles have come. As we're not sure who our president will be in January, Lord, we pray that you comfort Christians in America and use them as an opportunity to share with others, whoever the president may be, that you are ruling and you are in charge and that you are working for the good of those who love you. 
And Lord, we thank you for our veterans who serve our country and fulfill your purpose for government, which is to protect our lives and property. Hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Heavenly Father, we eagerly wait for Jesus to come again and make all things new. May he find us whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, faithfully enduring to the end, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, may your grace be with us. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.